that I don't unrecord. Okay. <laughs> so, um, good. Uh, let's see. Afternoon, everybody. This is Jimmy. It's Crosstown oh, Conversations. And um, we are um, doing this interview by Zoom. So um, uh, say a prayer in St. Jude for us. <laughs> and, um, I've got, uh, I've got um, you know, my fingers crossed. So, I, I, and I really want this to work because Asali Ecclesiastes is a terrific interview. I know because we've already done one. <laughs> so, um, I'm, I'm very excited about her position, her new position, her leadership at Ashe. Uh, it, it, it couldn't be a better um, follow, passing of the baton from uh, Carol B. Bell. It just couldn't be. And I think Thank everybody you. in the city is excited about it. <laughs> I sincerely think that. I think, you know, you mentioned the word of Sally. Oh, yeah, isn't that great? So yeah. um, how about from your perspective? Um, starting up, and, and that's, those, are, those are big shoes to fill. And um, I, I think that judging from your um, experience, it's going to be great. But tell me about what it's like. Well, you know, um, Part of the genius of Mama Carol um, Bebel and who she is, for those of you who don't know, is the um, founding and um, previous executive director of the Ashe Cultural Arts Center. Um, you know, that whole notion of big shoes to fill. She, you, as we were hearing a, a lot as the transition was happening, she was like, well, you know, you don't have to worry about filling my shoes because if anyone knows her, knows that she's a very tall, statuesque woman, you know, with the sizable shoe um, compared to my, you know, little six and a half. <laughs> um, and she said, you, you don't have to worry about filling my shoes because you've got wings. You're just going to fly, you know, <laughs> you know, so, um, and, and that is truly what I feel like the support um, of the community has been like, you know, like wind beneath my wings. They are, um, we are, you know, really making it possible for, um, for Ashe to experience a transition in leadership that um, is loving, um, is reflective of the work that they have invested in um, over the last 20 years. And um, I mean, it, and for me, it's just been like getting my roses while I'm alive because um, I, I have just been showered, you know, with the love and compliments and um, support and encouragement that, um, you know, it's sometimes it's overwhelming, um, you know, because it, it makes you feel all the more responsible, right, for, <laughs> for getting it done well. Um, <laughs> well. Because your background is so irrelevant to your, your position uh, in terms of your arts, your writing, your um, community engagement. I mean, you've got all, you check all the boxes. You've got all the boxes checked. But um, so, yeah, so um, the, the center is, is, has this, role, this responsibility um, that has been developed to the arts community, to the community at large, to Central City, to the city. All of those arenas are looking to Ashe for leadership. So tell me what you're thinking about in terms of um, the legacy, about how you're going to take this forward and what your focus is going to be. Mm -hmm. Well, so, you know, to me, the legacy of Ashe, and, you know, and I feel like I'm a product of that legacy. I um, have participated um, in programming at Ashe since 1998. Um, it was the first place to ever 
pay me to do a poem to make me think that, oh, <laughs> You're an I'm an artist and somebody, you know, finds value in, you know, hearing the things that I have to say and the way in which um, I say them. Um, and so, you know, which was the beginning of a different kind of life for me, you know, to tell you the truth. I started um, as an educator um, and it was through my work um, in spoken word that I started to expand, um, you know, what I thought my um, service to my community was. I still absolutely do believe in the value of teaching and I, um, you know, and I do it often, um, you know, but the deeper world of community development, of um, government work, of advocacy, um, you know, of, of deep, deep advocacy and um, pressing for systems change. You know, those were the things that um, being empowered as an artist made me um, know were possible. So, um, and, uh, and uh, interestingly, in you, you pointing out advocacy, um, there's a lot of art organizations in the city that have uh, either narrower or broader missions, uh, but there aren't that many uh, that have a, a, a strictly, um, not strictly necessarily, but a, a strong thread of advocacy involved. Our organization, the Creative Alliance of New Orleans is like that. And um, I find it's a, it's, it's a harder sell, but you have that, um, you have that place. You are very place-based. You've been in that, that building um, and, and it has been a center of both arts and community activity for so long mm -hmm. that um, you do have this awareness level out there in the community. Um, how do you see using that, um, those threads and also that recognition uh, in achieving your goals? Um, well, the, in addition to the place, you know, it's the people, you know, like the direct service, the, the place allows us you know, um, I, I don't know if folks are aware, but Ashe has um, a really significant real estate portfolio in Central City. And because they're so rooted in place and they provide affordable housing to artists and provide um, <clears throat> places. And, you know, and it's funny because in New Orleans, you use the word artist um, and it really just means resident. <laughs> you know, it really just means community member because in some kinds of way, um, you know, art is so integrally a part of who we are and a part of how we express our humanity that um, at some phase or all phases of our lives, people practice artwork here. And so, um, you know, providing the space for that work to be created and explored and um, shared and exhibited um, as well as providing that affordable housing, um, you know, allows us to be in conversation um, with our culture bearers and artists in a way um, we think that um, gives us special insight to the infrastructure that's missing um, from what's needed to support their well-being. And so we find that critical to our mission and appreciate that about Cano as well, you, um, you know, that you all take on the mantle and take on the fight when it's time to um, speak up and for, you know, the, the, the creatives. So um, in terms of the, uh, one of the, the phrases that I heard so often from uh, Carol over the years was that linkage between the arts and community. And, and, and that's something she always emphasized that the arts is not standalone. It mm -hmm. only can stand on the shoulders of the community. Mm -hmm. um, so um, specifically, how do you um, 
how do you grow that bond and 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 how do you see the community in partnership with your arts goals going forward well because the art that we do um and this is particularly true of art of the african diaspora in general um it tends to be didactic it tends to um grow from specific um need for a group expression right um it is really um culturally based meaning it um expresses uh social norms and provides guidance for how we think that people should be and behave with one another and in society um <clears throat> And so that, you know, that is where that tendency grows from. And so because of that, um, in African diasporic art, it it comes from, it naturally comes from the people, you know, and, and this is, you know, I, the way I want to illustrate this is to talk about in New Orleans, um, the brass band culture, you know, this is, um, and how it's tied to the affordable housing crisis um, that we are experiencing in the city so because um oh, yeah. when i was a little when i was a little girl we used to play band you know how kids play i mean we played lots of stuff right you know we played cops and robbers and we played the incredible hulk we played wrestling like we did <laughs> all of these things like I, I was thinking about this other day like me and my brothers in the backyard and you know all of the kids on the street because you know you miss that at a time like this um, but one of the things we played was band. In the play band, you picked up a stick, you picked up a rock, you picked up any kind of things that might make noise. You might have um, went in and got fancy and stole some of your mama's, uh, you know, kitchenware. <laughs> but <clears throat> we marched in a group and everybody had a little sound. And, you know, and you played band. And the reason you played band is because you saw bands. You know, you had neighbors who played music and who would come outside and, you know, blow their horn. And you saw musicians coming back and forth um, to work and you knew them and they were in your family and they were around you. <clears throat> and as a result of that, I mean, the fertile ground for um, brass bands who are of my age range, right? I'm 45 and I count, you know, um, Dirty Dozen and Rebirth, particularly Rebirth, um, you know, and all of the, you know, bands that surround, <laughs> you know, who Rebirth is. Um, and that is being lost, you know, there can't be a trombone shorty if there's not a group of kids who play bands. You understand? And because we are losing our communities because we no longer can afford access to one another. Um, we, we can no longer be close to one another. We have to find housing and shelter wherever um, we can. Um, you know, the, the bonds that create that art are disappearing um, from our city. And you don't have um, that plethora and proliferation of young musicians. Um, in the in the same way, and it's eventually going to trickle off and disappear if we don't do something about it. And those are the kinds of places where my advocacy, where Ashe's advocacy, um, is rooted. So um, you know, it's hard uh, n not to see that. Uh, it's hard. It, it, it's hard to see how much is thinning out, especially since I live in Treme. So pretty much every Sunday. 
um, everybody's out on on the streets around here and Esplanade and Broad and, and so on. So I still feel that so strongly. And and of course, yeah, but it's the same bands is what I'm telling you. You're going to see the second lines until there aren't any bands anymore. The, Rebirth shouldn't still be doing second lines <laughs> is what I'm saying. At, you know, at 45, you know, yeah. like where where are the young bands? Um, who are what Rebert was 20 years ago or 30 oh, this, years ago. This is one of the things that uh, you're going to address. This is going to be a, a, a focus of yours. Displacement, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. That's really great. And um, yeah, and I think the relationship with the housing issue is just, it's so direct. And I think it was mm -hmm. unexpected to some extent. I mean, it should have been expected because it's happened in other parts of the world. It's not the, this is not the first city to accept. It, it, it is being, it's that, ravaging, that, yeah, parts of the world. The, the, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it's such a peculiar uh, thing in that uh, it's a good thing that artists want to be here and thrive. Uh, but the impact on gentrification has been um, really awesome, startling. and um, But, you know, I don't blame them. I, I think that the responsibility, and I don't blame them either, so to speak, but I do charge them with fixing it is our legislators. Because there is a, the reason that it is able to happen the way that it happened is because of the way the laws are set up. The laws are set up in a way that does not protect people, um, that is grossly disrespectful, you know, of the rights of residents, that um, actually encourage speculation and overdevelopment um, and underdevelopment, like the, it's structurally that way. And the proof of that is that it happens in all of these major cities. In, and, and there have been studies done over decades about the laws that actually lead to that. So we know what it is. You know, um, we just have to be honest and be willing to take on the work of restructuring. And so that, you know, and so that's where I see the role of advocacy, because if we don't ever look at the past, if we don't ever look at the bigger picture um, and learn the lessons, because they're there, um, we're making a choice, right, to just um, go go with the flow. And it's time to stop going with the flow. It's time to disrupt the flow and, and divert it. Like, I mean, and to speak um, <laughs> in a climate metaphor, <laughs> right? We, um, we, but um, I, I know that you're going to do that because um, uh, you're one of the few women I know who ever just out of the blue volunteered her age. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do it all the time, but um, uh, you know, most women, when you say how- My old, mother would be so disappointed. They don't want to say it. And now if you can do that, you can, you can uh, always do, uh, make sure that we're, we're living with truth to power. So Because ever since I was a little girl, I always wanted to be an old lady. I always imagined myself like, I can't wait. But when I was a little girl, I also imagined 45 was, you know, <laughs> kind of old. Well, I, I just <laughs> enjoy your 40s they're great enjoy your 50s they're great enjoy your 60s they're great after that yes. Yes. <laughs> that's so great so um so Sally, how about central city what's your mm -hmm. what's your sense of where things are going with central city and and uh what you feel uh the role of ashe is going to be with central city because it's you know there is absolutely no question in my mind because I experienced it. I watched it go down, and I, I watched it just sit there. No matter what the city did with all kinds of programs and funding, and nothing brought it back until art. It was really <laughs> a day. It was even um, 
the uh, Cafe Reconcile, of course, and the Jazz Market, and um, uh, Sandra Berry's small. That's what I was going to say. I was waiting Sandra for you to Berry. say Sandra Berry, because Absolutely. before any of those any of things, that, <laughs> there. Sandra Berry in the Neighborhood Gallery, in that little spot, that's how I learned about our shame was through the neighborhood gallery. Right. Because we used to do poetry um, downtown in Treme in, um, you know, the warehouse district and uh, the Bywater. You know, we had little spots. And Sandra Berry came um, one night. And this was like in 98, 99. And uh, in my 20s. <laughs> um, and... She was like, oh, I, you, you people, you guys, oh, you young people, you're so wonderful. Please come and do some poetry at my place. And so it was there, you know, that I learned about, you know, I'm a downtown girl. Um, but it was then that I learned about Uptown and, um, well, not about Uptown, but Central City in particular, that well, neighborhood. Yeah, I went to school Uptown. I went to McMahon. So I know a little, little bit of Uptown, but you know. Down, downtown was my place as a uh, you know as a, as a young person as a uh, yeah. you know teenager in my early 20s but um that was my introduction to you know um really what I look at as a, a, a parallel path um of cultural expression um like I, you could easily compare you know Central City to Tremaine a Seven Ward um you know for the types of um you know, expression that take root in those communities. And um, even, you know, I'm a, I'm a historian person. I um, love looking stuff up. And even when I, you know, um, read about, you know, how the neighborhoods developed in the city and the battleground neighborhood um, that developed after Treme on, um, you know, on the uptown side, you know, but with residents, you know, that branched out, um, you know, from Treme in the Seven Wars. So it was... Um, so it, it feels really good to be in Central City, particularly because they um, were the ones to execute the model for community development um, that I believe in and that I try to replicate and spread and teach about, you know, in other places. But um, Sandra and Mama Carol and um, all of those arts-based organizations who then begin to attract other organizations who then begin to attract um you know, funding and development and those things, um, you know, is the kinds of, um, what do I want to say, organic way in the kind of equitable way that yeah. I think that um, development should happen. Now, what wasn't there to support them was the laws, because you can their intentions for what they wanted to accomplish in that neighborhood is very clear. They have, you know, 20 years of plans where they state you know, what they were building, why they were building, and who they were building for. Um, but the laws, you know, allow the market to overwhelm all of that. Our laws say that whoever has more money makes the rules, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but our legislators can protect us against that if they so believed in it. So we're we're gonna run out of time soon, but I I can't. Uh, I know I know I run my mouth. I'm sorry. I know. No, <laughs> I, 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 you as I said before, you're a great interview. You you really you have a lot to say. It's really what. Yes, I do. And that's well, hey, um, I'm right there with you, so don't worry. <laughs> but um, I, I can't uh, end the interview without uh, calling attention to um, Asali the poet. 
and the spoken word artist. So not to put you on the spot, but can we go out of the interview with a little bit of a flavor? Is that, okay, is I that, will. Is that mean? <laughs> a it's, little. It's not, it, it's, it's not mean. It's a little unexpected, but it's not mean. <laughs> but I, I do want to say. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't plan on it. It really just occurs to me as I was listening right. to talk that we hadn't touched on that. So um, if there's just a phrase or two that, yeah. that recurs for you in your uh, presentations and your thinking and your writing, um, can you share it with us? I will, but can I first share some information um, that, yeah, so as part of the COVID-19 response, and this is part of, you know, how Ashe, um, you know, tries to be responsive to the community that it um, serves. So we work with um, Antenna Gallery um, annually to present um, the Platforms Fund, which is for the creation of artworks. We fund... um, artists in the amount of between five and ten thousand dollars to you know create some kind of community-based um uh artwork and um so we decided because of what's happening right now and because we're so aware um that the most vulnerable workers in our city are those creative workers um those gig economy workers who you know don't have the protections of um insurances or even access to the unemployment and emergency um, support that is out there, you know, from the government. So we are redirecting um, those dollars that we normally would have spent on art creations to be responsive to emergency situations for artists um, and culture bearers right now. Um, We are um, working to launch it within the next week. um, And um, you know, just hope to be able to provide some support. We've already had a couple of other organizations. Junebug um, has also come on board and um, added both some significant money and other supports um, to the fund. And, you know, just really proud of how the creative community is stepping up to address this. Um, you know, in addition to those of us who are contributing to the fund, we have um, lots of other organizations like Kids Smart, the African American Museum, The Front, Dancing Grounds, um, Tecrema, um, you know, organizations who are putting together um art activities for young people and we've been distributing them. We started this week with that, distributing them around the city, you know, so while kids are at home, they can still be getting some art related, um, you know, stimulation and being creative. Work for them, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that has already started. Um, We have a couple of other um, corporations who have expressed interest in um, donating um, to the fund. So we're working out the details of that and, you know, we'll um, hopefully be able to start um, putting some money um, into the hands of, you know, people who need it most right now and who are, you know, going to be missed by all of the um, safety nets that do exist out there. So, you know, we're working and, and, to uh, build that Something gap. that I think uh, people uh, who are not artists, uh, giggers, may not realize is that
that um, in New Orleans um, and, and many cities, uh, they got hit two ways. They got hit in terms of the arts availability, but also art uh, uh, venues to show their work, but also a lot of their work uh, on a daily basis is, is, is um, hospitality based. And so yes. uh, with, the, with the closing up of so many things, it, it hit them that way too. That's We're right. definitely gonna run out of time. So I'm now gonna put you back on the spot on. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Closing out with- um, Here we go. There are some chasms so deep and so wide, we find it hard to figure out how we ever make it safely to the other side. The space between who we are and who we want to be, the gaps that separate our high ideals from our base realities, the difference between what we say and what we really mean, the raging river between what actually happened and our convenient memories. The lies we tell ourselves are lakes, overflowing their banks, flooding our speech with waters caustic and rank. And the only bridge is the truth, stretching between me and you as we look one another in the eye. But so often that look is filled with our hesitations, and we can't help but glance to the side. See, we've long ago let go of the language with which we describe our soft part. We learned early that those with soft part for so we allow lean emotion to reign, never noticing only strain has been the fruit of our restraints. We haven't escaped pain and our battle scars are far from faint. Yet and still, despite our desire and our willingness to heal, we often find ourselves fighting hard in the paint, holding on to false images of everything we ain't. So while our dreams coincide, our fears collide and we want to know one another, but think that we can't. So that is the beginning of a poem called Chasms. You can find it on the internet, C-H-A-S-M-S. -S. And um, it has been my meditation as of late, you know, inside of um, the social distancing um, space. Asali Ecclesiastes, new leader for the Ashe. Thank you. Incredible center of the art and community world. Um, and thank you to Patricia Smith, who's been sitting by yeah. with who helped us get this off the ground. My hero. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I look forward to working with you ladies. And we will market you to death. I don't have a lot of money <laughs> there, but um, we will um, do anything we can to promote what, you, what you're up to. Thank you so much, Jean. We appreciate you always and look forward to much, much more together. Thank you so much, ladies. Okay. Right. And now I hope I do the right thing here. Go. Jean. <laughs> okay, Jean. Um, okay, I have to stop record. Okay, so what's going to happen next? Wait, 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 stop video. No, stop video, right? Because we've been doing video. And then I see end meeting, but I'm going to stop video first. So what's going to happen is it's going to ask you to convert that file. I know, right. And But I, oh, I'm you. not going to start doing that until I have Madeline on the phone to help me, unless you want to... Well, maybe you maybe <clears throat> Patricia, why don't you call me on the phone? Okay. Um, okay. Um, yeah, that was the one thing I really wanted her on the call for for sure. But okay, I'm stopping video. I'm ending the meeting. All right. Thank All you. All right. Bye. All right. Talk to you later, Sally. Hi. Okay. So end meeting for all. To keep this meeting running. I don't want to do that. Leave meeting.
I'm so nervous. We're still recording. Hmm.